Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios in downtown Milwaukee, it's Wisconsin's Midday News, making stories come to life. Now, here are your hosts, Greg Matzik and Jessica Ty. So where were you when the weather changed so abruptly yesterday? <laughs> My goodness. Wow, it was wild. You know, my husband texted me while I was at work here, and he said, hey, we may be able to sit out on the patio tonight and grill out. I thought, fantastic. I'll go to the store. I'll grab something to grill. We had burgers the other night um, over at a, a Bucks event, so I thought, not burgers this time. I got some portobellas to grill, but... I still went out and grilled, but it wasn't like we're sitting out there, you know, having a cocktail on the patio. It, no, it, it it did change change rather abruptly. We walked outside my daughter's soccer practice last night, and the lightning show was just crazy. That was it wild. Just, temperatures were still kind of hanging on. It wasn't even really raining at that point, but the lightning show was wild on our mile and a half ride home. My dog, I've got a cocker spaniel who's going to be thirteen in August, and and typically he doesn't really mind storms, which I know is pretty rare, and I feel lucky for that. Um, but last night. The lightning was so wild that he was scared. I, I won't tell you what happened, but he was he was scared. Okay. <laughs> Those with dogs can imagine. Greg and Jessica with you till 1 o'clock this afternoon. And a few stories we're following here today. And now it's time for Three Big Things on Wisconsin's Midday News. Number one, President Joe Biden and former President Donald Trump win their respective parties' primaries in Michigan. So basically, as each day passes, it is looking more and more like a rematch come November. Interesting, though, there were a couple of warning signs for both of the candidates. On the Democratic side, more than 100,000 votes were cast for uncommitted. So people are saying, OK, what exactly is that? Well, those are protest votes organized by members of Michigan's large Arab and Muslim community who are against Biden's handling of the Israel-Hamas war. As for Trump, ABC's Mary Bruce is in Dearborn, Michigan. There are warning signs here for Donald Trump as well. While he easily cruised to victory over Nikki Haley and is almost assured the Republican nomination, some 30% of Republican primary voters here last night backed someone other than Donald Trump, meaning there are plenty of voters in this critical state who are not yet sold on the former president. Also today, hundreds of families gathered outside Alabama's State House in Montgomery for a day of action to support IVF treatments, hoping to put some pressure on Alabama lawmakers to advance new legislation that would restore access to fertility treatments. Illinois Democratic Senator Tammy Duckworth will try to force a vote in the Senate on her bill that would safeguard IVF access nationwide. Some anti-abortion advocates have praised Alabama's Supreme Court ruling. Lawmakers here are trying to keep their bill specific to IVF. Doctors at the clinics tell us that they have been in constant communication with lawmakers over the legislation. And number three, Packers ticket prices are set for the upcoming season. Bottom line here, prices are up. Really no surprise. But regular season tickets are going to be between 4 and $10 more a game, depending, of course, on where you sit. Preseason tickets are up 2 to $5 a game. Preseason games, Greg, I always feel like that's such a great option for families, especially if you have a lot of kids and you're like, man, it just gets so expensive to go to a regular season game. Those preseason games are key. It's a great opportunity to take the fam. Yeah, it's, it's a little more accessible. I think the secondary market ticket prices also reflect that it's a preseason game and not a, a regular season game against any team for that matter. They went to variable pricing on that several years ago, and I think it's overall worked. Team President Mark Murphy has always been very consistent with this. The Packers rank just below the league average when it comes to cost per ticket at the venue. And they are the lowest or the least expensive ticket 
inside the NFC North division. Again, the secondary market, that ultimately drives ticket prices for those who don't have season tickets. But their season ticket price per ticket in the bowl at Lambeau Field and in the new sections... Below league average. That's yeah. kind of where they like to be. Just below. Just below. <laughs> I, th- I think Not they, far below. I mean, that is an annual goal for them to make it just below the NFL's average. And hey, we'll take that. Well, you think it's a winning franchise, though, too, right? I mean, yeah. every other teams in the division, I mean, the Bears, it's an expensive ticket for a crappy team, right? That, that's a bad combination. Boo to the Bears. Right. The Packers have a good team, a developing young, developing young team. They could have had tickets that are more. I guess expensive, but they've been very consistent with that, which we like to see. Very interesting stuff. Government shutdown is looming. Will deadlines spur action? What about funding for the Ukraine? ABC's Ike Ajachi joins us coming up next. It's 11.13 on WTMJ. Well, the Oval Office meeting with meeting with President Biden and congressional leaders Tuesday got a little tense, according to Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer. Aid to Ukraine, government funding among the topics of discussion. And Ike Ajachi from ABC is covering it for us. Ike, welcome to the program. Thank you. Uh, thanks for having me. Always a pleasure. It does seem to be a little bit of optimism here. I know deadlines spur action commonly. Will this take the rest of the week to sort out an extension or concrete government funding plan? Well, that's what this looking like. The, the positive is exactly what you said, that everybody on board wants to see uh, or rather does not want to see uh, any kind of government shutdown. We've seen uh, House Speaker Mike Johnson confident that they're going to avert a shutdown. Obviously, Schumer, McConnell, uh, everybody says that they're working together. Now, it's likely that what we'll see is essentially a repeat of the worst movie we've ever seen, which is what Congress has essentially been doing since September. Instead of getting that long-term funding solution, it's likely that we'll see Mike Johnson essentially extend the time needed so that the lawmakers could resolve this and come to some kind of solution. So we'll probably see an extension of that Friday deadline to get some kind of deal done for another week or so, and that'll probably happen before week's end. And then hopefully that will give lawmakers enough time to think of some kind of comprehensive package that could fund the government long term. Like when you talk about that extension, I'm like, man, we've heard this. It just feels like so much of a broken record when we talk about a potential government shutdown. I mean, we've talked about it, I think, in the last year, over the last at least few months, four times now. And it sounds like year after year. So how did we get here? And can we avoid getting here in the future? Well, we got here. A big indication of how we got here, essentially, is when what happened to former Speaker uh, Kevin McCarthy. Uh, that was the indication that the far-right faction of the Republican Party has since maintained control. When they said that it will only take one person to trigger a vote to oust the Speaker, that essentially lands the hands and the power of Congress, rather, in the ruling party, to those small faction of Republicans that can essentially put up their uh, the speaker's seat at any time as they want. We saw former Speaker Kevin McCarthy make a deal with Democrats to fund the government for a, a short time, and then we saw that effectively have him removed from his office. So we're seeing House Speaker Mike Johnson right now forced to do things along the far-right faction of his party. We saw that bipartisan uh, Senate deal to uh, essentially strengthen border security. Every, everybody on board was on board with this, even Mike Johnson at one point, until he heard from former President Donald Trump, who said he didn't want to make that deal. 
him, along with a few select other Republicans, fell in line. Hence, you're seeing why House Speaker Mike Johnson has been flip-flopping. It's essentially a problem that we've seen since last year, and whether or not that will be rectified will be determinative on the ruling power if they want to change that rule. Unless that does not happen, you will always be subject to a far faction of your party that may decide that they don't like exactly what you're doing. Speaking of Johnson, uh, House Speaker Mike Johnson, he just met with President Biden for the first time one-on-one. I I like the fact that it was described as a frank and honest conversation. Oh, to be a fly on the wall. Do we have any details as to what that frank and honest conversation uh, turned out to be? Well, it was both sides laying out where they come from and deciding not to back down. We know that President Biden has been stark in his request for aid, not only for Ukraine, but also for Israel and Taiwan. And he's been able to make concessions, so many concessions, that he's, in fact, gone back on some Trump-era policies in terms of the border, and at least suggested it. He's even so far as to suggest that he would act on the border using executive action, although he did say that he is not there yet. So you're seeing the White House, this administration, make several concessions just to try to get some deal done here with Speaker Mike Johnson. However, time and time again, we're starting to see that that essentially does not matter. And whether or not that can be rectified moving forward is hard to find out, because on the other end of that, Speaker Mike Johnson again, adamant in his own stance, saying that he has his own request in terms of dealing with the border before any kind of aid for Ukraine or Israel or Taiwan is mentioned, even though, again, he shot down that bipartisan Senate border deal that he claimed was not enough. ABC's Ike Adachi covering the story this week. Perhaps we will avoid a government shutdown, partial or full. That is certainly the hope. Ike, thanks for your time. We'll check in again soon. Thanks for having me. Take care. It's eleven twenty-one on WTMJ. Got a note on the text line here, Jessica. You talk about a natural segue. Hey, how do you grill the portobellos? <laughs> how do you grill them? Oh, that's how do you what... grill them? Yeah, what oh, did you do? I you High grow. heat to get the, the you get the grill marks on it last night. What happened? Well, yeah, actually, and, and I do them a couple ways. I mean, I, I do them with um, some feta cheese sometimes in the Ooh, oven and nice. some pesto. That's really good. You stuff them, but no, last night, yeah, just it's medium to high heat. You do you take out the stem and the gills. And you plop it on for about four minutes, you flip it for another four minutes, and then boom. We kind of did it like a burger. So okay. instead of a burger, we put the portobello on and then a little a little spicy mayo, some tomato on it. And, yeah, it's just yummy, and, and it's healthy. Sounds delicious. It I'm was. a grill mark guy. I like grill marks on the stuff. Well, I had grill marks on the brioche buns. There you go. It crisps them up, and it just it looks, it looks a little fancy, right, when yeah. you're putting a, a bun out there? Absolutely. <laughs> Cooking tips from Jessica will continue after this. Ask me more. It's 1121. <laughs> Greg and Jessica with you until 1 o'clock this afternoon. Brewers baseball at 2. Dom Catronio is covering the Brewers at spring training. They take on the Cubs today. He's going to join us coming up at about 11.37. Well, more bells and whistles being served up at this year's Milwaukee International Auto Show. It is going on right now. As a matter of fact, Debbie Lazga dove in. Take a look at what's coming down the pipeline. EV is all the rage at the Milwaukee International Auto Show. This year, we've seen people have issues charging their electric vehicles and then them keeping their charge in the colder weather. Could it be the manufacturers in California didn't really have that top of mind in their designs? 
But senior editor for Auto Trader Jason Fogelson says the technology is starting to evolve. Battery technology is moving rapidly right now. I mean, we're at the dawn of solid state batteries, and those will be much less prone to temperature fluctuations than the current lithium ion batteries that we're using. Still, there is such a thing as range anxiety, where people imagine their EVs conking out once they lose sight of the regular charging stations along their route. Driving these vehicles is just like driving a gas car. Charging the vehicles and maintaining your battery is a new skill for people, and that's going to develop with time as well, as infrastructure improves. And there are other solutions to range anxiety. Don't plunge head along into EVs without doing your research. And maybe it's not for you. Maybe what you should be looking at is a hybrid or a plug-in hybrid, which is kind of a mix of both of those technologies. You still have a gas engine, but with the plug-in hybrid, you can charge it on your own time, and then you can use uh, the limited range, 25 to 40 miles of electric, to do your commuting, to do your errands, uh, and never burn a gallon of gas. But when you run out of electric range, you've still got a gas electric hybrid that's highly efficient and running really well on gas. I've gotten a chance to drive a hybrid plug-in from our partners at Hall Mazda for an extended test drive and I've got to tell you once you get used to how the self-charging works it's pretty slick. All cars are incorporating more and more computers into their design. Connectivity is a big deal. Now picture yourself as a hacker. Yeah, cybercrime will probably seep into your driving experience too. Well, I think all the manufacturers are very aware of that. And you should be aware of that, you know, in the same way that you would be with your home computer, with your cell phone. Make sure that you're using robust passwords. Make sure that you change them on a regular basis. Make sure you don't share them with anyone. All the, the common sense stuff that applies with computers applies with a car. There's a lot of new technology penetrating every aspect of car ownership. And the fun lies in figuring out what will work best for you. From the Milwaukee International Auto Show, Debbie Lazaga, WTMJ News. My condo building has charging stations for oh, electric vehicles. Right um, I guess you, you have the option. It's not like a, a community one, but you have the option to put one at your garage spot, which is interesting. So uh, we have not done that because we don't have one, but it's something to think about for the future. And it's also something that can be... Um, you know, a selling point down the road, too. See plenty of EV and other vehicles at the auto show. In fact, the afternoon show with John Rakir, my good friend, and Julia Fellow. They're going to be broadcasting live on March 1st. Go check them out. Say hello. And uh, John will be signing autographs and giving away free hugs. It's 1128 <laughs> on WTMJ. <laughs> I can only assume it's not 20 degrees in Arizona. The Brewers take on the Cubs today. A 2 o'clock start here on WTMJ. Dom Catronio covering the crew all week. All right, Dom, who drew the short straw? Who had to ask Pat Murphy about seeing Craig Council in a Cubs uniform you today have to. on the it's other important. side of the dugout? And I want to know about it, Somebody too. drew so, the short straw. Uh, Todd Rosiak did, but I made sure to get the first question in of something completely unrelated <laughs> to get his mind off, like, oh, we're not going to ask it. And then Todd was the one who asked it. But look. Again, I reiterate, I said it this morning on Wisconsin's Morning News, my you know 60-second report. These games don't count. They don't count. Don't waste your energy. Well, winning is still better than the alternative, isn't it? Isn't that a good way to put it? Sure, but I think <laughs> the, the Brewers know this, and you know this, and Craig Council knows this, Pat Murphy knows this. It's all about development, and, and Pat Murphy talked about it at length today. Just Look, I have respect for all 30 teams. 
But let's be honest, that Cubs lineup that they're bringing over today is not the Cubs. You know, Bellinger's not in there. Swanson's not in there. <laughs> Nick Madrigal is batting cleanup today. So it, to say that this is the beginning of the rivalry, you know, come on, let, let's look in the mirror here and be like, okay, it's February 28th. Let's, let's tap the brakes. He comes to Milwaukee on May 27th. The Brewers will be at Wrigley at the end of April. Let's, let's just all take a deep breath. Okay, you guys are laughing about the the Craig Council, Pat Murphy meetup question. But, you know, for fans, it's going to be strange. We've been waiting for this. We know it's coming. But it's going to be strange to see Craig Council with the Cubs today. And there is that really unique dynamic. I mean, these guys have been friends for life. They say they're they're like brothers. That's not going to change. But I think it puts an interesting dynamic, a new spin on our rivalry between the Brewers and the Cubs. Yeah, and Pat has made that clear. Look, the relationship is not going to change. He has known Craig Council since he's 17 years old. And, you know, they've been apart in different ways. They've never really competed head-to-head before, like they're going to prepare to do this season. But, yeah, this sort of thing to latch on to, as as Pat put it, it's for the fans. You know, I think a lot of folks understand, you know, especially on the field and in uniform, understand Nothing really changes. It's the relationship doesn't change unless something drastic happens. But this is something that is meant for the rivalry and for the fans to digest and spread amongst themselves. But you know, I'll be here at every moment I can, just kind of saying, yeah, no, that's not a real, it's not a real rivalry. They still love each other very much. It would be amazing, Dom, to see all Brewers starters in the lineup play like six innings today. Like <laughs> Yelly's hitting third, right? You got right. You just loaded up Garrett Mitchell leading off. Just bring your best and throw it at the Cubs right away. Uh, you are going to see some good stuff today, though. I, I mean, you no no Yelly or Hoskins yet. We did learn that those guys are due to make their spring debuts this weekend. Pat Murphy was not committed on what day that would be, but he kind of left it open ending to this weekend. But you're going to Garrett Mitchell. You're going to see William Contreras. You're going to see Willie. You're going to see Churio. Uh, you're going to see uh, Andre Monasterio. So uh, I'm I'm excited to see a lot of those guys. What are things we should be looking for today as the Brewers take on the Cubs? A win, of course. Brewers fans, we're looking for a win, but there, are there other storylines or just something, you know, as the season gets going here that we should be looking for? Yeah, I think things are really about to start taking off here shortly because I asked Pat Murphy about that today. Hey, you've got a million guys on this team that can play like nine positions, right? You know, Ortiz can play all over. Miller can play all over. Monasterio can play all over. Arroyo can play all over. The list goes on and on and on. How are you going to fit all of this in? You know, we see it. We get our first look today at Christian Arroyo who was a, a free agent claim from the Red Sox this past year as a utility player. He's been taking it slow, but there's a bunch of split squads coming up. Uh, they have an off day on Monday, and then I think after that, you know, it's kind of unofficially after the first off day of spring, after a week of games, then you're going to start, like, actually trimming down rosters. Pitchers are going to go more than one inning, and it'll, it'll suddenly start looking a little more like baseball, and that's what I'm really excited for to see here pretty soon. So in all the years I've covered spring training down, there's always been a player or two that kind of comes out of nowhere, player that was sort of off the radar. You weren't thinking much of him, and all of a sudden you couldn't help but think about that player. Jesus Aguilar comes to mind if I go back a few years. Is there anybody that you're sort of keeping an eye on here that, you know, is kind of quietly putting together something interesting? Just keep an eye on it. We'll watch it throughout the month of uh, February here and into March. It's, the the name is Oliver Dunn. I, I think uh, you fast. You know, you go back like a month ago, before the Corbin Burns trade. I thought Oliver Dunn has got a really good shot to make this team. Now he's certainly still in the mix, just because Joey Ortiz is here and things like that. But Dunn's got some serious pop. He's hit the ball hard a few times. 
Uh, a reminder that second base is is far from a lock. Now, Bryce Strang's put on some good weight. Uh, he's trying to prove that he can hit better than he did at the finish of the season last year, but there's quite a cast auditioning for second or third, whether it be Oliver Dunn, whether it be Joey Ortiz, whether it be Andre Monasterio and Owen Miller. But Oliver Dunn, these first handful of games, he's hit the ball hard a few times, and he's mostly played second base in his career. He's also getting a little bit of a look at third as well. All right, write it down. Oliver Dunn's going to be an all-star here for the Brewers this season. Dom, enjoy the game today. <laughs> Let's pull out a Brewers win, huh? We yes. need it. Yes, going for the W uh, against the I mean, Cubbies. For the, for the Cactus League medallions, as Pat Murphy is. Yes, yeah. <laughs> They're really struggling in that department. But appreciate it. 75 and perfect, y'all. Hey, you win the Cactus League, you get a free TV. All right, Dom, we'll talk again tomorrow. It's 11.43 on WTMJ. That was a joke. Craig Council used that as a joke for younger players. For the medallions. You win the most games in the Cactus League, everybody gets a free TV on the team. And, of course, oh. it, it does not happen 75 and perfect. Way. Did you catch that? 75 and perfect down sounds, there. Sounds like a good day for sounds baseball. Sounds fantastic. It's 11.43 on WTMJ. Why were the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City at a Bucks game last night? <laughs> this is kind of bizarre. We're going to try and make some sense out of this after this. Some breaking news this hour just moments ago. Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell announces he will step down from his position in November of this year. McConnell speaking moments ago on the Senate floor in Washington. I stand before you today, Mr. President, and my colleagues to say this will be my last term as Republican leader of the Senate. I'm not going anywhere anytime soon. However, I'll complete my job. My colleagues have given me until we select a new leader in November and they take the helm next January. Once again, Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell announcing he will step down from his position in November. The longest serving leader in the U.S. Senate just turned 82 years old. And Jessica, recently his health came into question. There were times where he was standing at the microphone or at the podium uh, and appeared to just be sort of lost. Yeah, and people was very concerned about his health. And, away. Yeah, a couple times he was taken away and then... His reps will come back and say he's okay, it's okay, but yeah, definitely uh, some questions about his health. This I appreciate this. He also said one of life's most underappreciated talents is to know when it's time to move on to life's next chapter. So he's saying, now's the time. It's time for me to go to my next chapter. So he will be stepping down in November. Again, breaking news here, Senate Major- uh, Minority Leader Mitch McConnell announces he'll step down from his position in November, speaking on the Senate floor in Washington just moments ago, longest-serving leader in the U.S. Senate, he just turned 82. Speaking of ages, President Biden is 81, and I bring that up because today the president's going to the doctor. <laughs> he is getting his annual physical today. And this is important because, number one, it's important for all of us to go get our annual physicals, right? Especially the president. But... Even more so right now because of the results of his physical, everybody's going to be looking closely at what comes out here as the president seeks re-election. Biden is 81. Former President Donald Trump is 77. In case you're curious, Nikki Haley, she's 52 because she has brought age into the mix as she runs for president. Biden is already the oldest president in U.S. history, and if he wins a second term, he would be 86 by the end of it. So if you're thinking ahead like that. President's last physical, doctors determined he was healthy, vigorous, and fit to handle White House duties. But there has been, as we were just actually talking about uh, Mitch McConnell, there's also been criticism over the president in regards to his walking, kind of slow walking, um, his stumbling in speech from time to time. And then that little tumble he took off the bike. Not a big deal, but, 
you know, it, it raised some questions among some people. But yes, I mean, this is going to be scrutinized. At 81 years old, President Biden is the oldest president in American history, and the results of his physical will be scrutinized. Polls show Americans are questioning whether he has the physical and mental fitness to serve another term in office. Presidential physicals typically include measurements of height, weight, blood pressure, heart rate, and cholesterol. Past exams of President Biden also included checks on his eyes, skin, ears, nose, and throat, neurological and pulmonary systems, thyroid, and even his teeth. Karen Travers, ABC News, Washington. I, I don't think this is a story if it's Trump getting a physical. If I can be candid here for a minute, Biden is 81, Trump is 77, and this is not a political stance. It's a fact in my mind that Biden looks older than Trump. He is older than Trump, but his age is more in question than Trump's. I think, old, I think it's a right? story no matter what, but maybe more so. I think people will be watching the president's results more closely. My other question is, in a light moment here, does the president take off his coat and his shoes to get weighed? I know every time I go to step on that scale, I'm like, man, let me just let me take my boots off. Yeah. Well, let me let me take my sneakers off. It's like I want the shoes on for the height thing, and then I want them off for the weight thing. Isn't that kind of how it works? But I mean, have you have you cha- have you changed in height since you were like 16? Uh, no. No, but sometimes my shoes just offer just a little bit more, depending on what I'm wearing that I day. feel like they don't even, do they really actually measure you for height anymore? I haven't been measured for height. Usually they just say, how tall are you? I usually ask, and then they say, okay, we can do that. <laughs> He's so tall. He's like, I just want to see if over the years, I was going to say, you want to see if you've grown a little bit more over the years, but no. I mean, at this point in our lives, we're, aren't we really trying to see if we're shrinking? Yeah, I'm trying to see if my arches are flattening. Yeah, we don't <laughs> want that to happen. I, I don't think I'm. I, I don't think I'm shrinking yet. My dad's all hot and bothered. He thinks he lost about a quarter inch. Oh, yeah, sad days. Sad days at the Mansick household. <laughs> oh man. Eleven fifty one on WTMJ. We might have a clue why the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City were in Milwaukee last night. What are they doing? Why were they at a Bucks game? They sure had good seats. We'll explore after this. So I don't recognize the theme song because it's not in my rotation. <laughs> it's not? The Real Housewives of Salt Lake City, that, that doesn't really make it on in our household. Uh, in between Harry Potter and Survivor. We do like Survivor. Sure. Well, to, to be fair, it's not on in my house either. Okay. But I, I'm in the know about, you know, the chronicles of the housewives. I've never actually watched The Real Housewives of Salt Lake City, though. Okay, so the, the, the Real Housewives is a Bravo TV series, and it's kind of a franchise. It's sort of bounced around to different cities. Yes. Real Housewives of Atlanta, Real Housewives of... New York City, Orange County. Insert city name here. Milwaukee. And somehow they got to Salt Lake City, but whatever. So you noticed this last night, and it was all over social media during the Bucks game, and it was hard to ignore or miss... The ladies who are sitting courtside with the primo of primo seats at Fiserv Forum wearing clothes that you don't often see worn in Milwaukee. Well, that's what cracked me up because you have all these ladies, you know, they're all they're all dolled up. And, and one of them was in mostly dressed mostly in white. You think about Wisconsin in February, though it was nice yesterday. So I'll give her that. But she's in like these blue stilettos. She's mostly in white and then has this big white fur coat. <laughs> And you just, I mean, they stuck out like sore thumbs, oh, with, yeah. without a doubt. You know, they're, they're not locals here in Milwaukee. But she also, I was taking note, I remember there was one person holding a big Greek flag. And then as I was, I was checking out some of the pictures, it was actually her. So the woman dressed all in white and then had the blue stilettos. She's also with the blue and white flag from Greece. So I'm kind of like putting little pieces together here. What's that going to be? But... The bottom line is we don't know exactly why they were here. It's funny because Dustin Gotze, he's a chief marketing officer with the Bucks. He tweeted, 
or exed, I guess you would say now. He put out there last night, um, all things make sense in due time. And I thought that has to be about the housewives. So I wrote him. I said, is your tweet about the housewives? And can due time mean before 11 o'clock tomorrow, as in before our show? (laughs) (laughs) So I can get the answer. But he wrote back and he said, it is and it can't. So, yes, it is about his tweet was about the housewives, but he can't divulge all the details. But then he also said, honestly, I'm not sure how much sense it will ever make. (laughs) The show in general? Yes, I would agree with that. Why they were here. So that kind of cracked me up. But, man, they were... I mean, they were taking pictures with Dame, which kind of cracked me up because Dame Dame wanted so pictures s- with them. Okay, is how I saw it. Maybe you're right. And he did. He did just say there was a story. Uh, I think it was just last night or yesterday about he, how he's kind of lonely when he's not when he's not on the court when he's not focused on the game. So. I don't know. So, I mean, those ladies flew in. They're not here. So here is a note on the text line. The Real Housewives of Salt Lake City apparently were here last night, filmed an episode at the game for next season, likely to air in the fall. Yep. One of the cast members, as you pointed out, Jessica, is Greek. It often promotes her Greek heritage. They held up a big Greek flag at the game. That's, That's correct. That's the lady in the white fur. There right? you go. So the texter's best guess is that they wanted to see Giannis and his brothers play. Seems to me that they just all made this work. They... Maybe just wanted to do a filming in Milwaukee, do a little road trip, adds a little fodder to the program. Tying anything to Giannis is probably a step in the right direction. Of course. So we'll see where this goes and where it might end up airing. So, uh, But you said you saw cameras, too, so there was something going on. Well, there definitely. You knew they were filming because if you looked, I mean, I could see the big boom mic that was going over the ladies to catch their sound, to catch their conversation. There was a big camera. I mean, there were things that were not... For the normal televising of the game, it was definitely a, a TV crew there. And think about it, Bravo. I mean, just here for Top Chef, you get all that coverage for there. And they say, "Hey, Milwaukee's a cool town. Maybe she wanted to do this." And they say, "We know Milwaukee even better now. Let's do it." And fantastic for Milwaukee. See, th- this is what we do here on Wisconsin's Midday News. We give you the breaking news that Mitch McConnell is stepping down, and then we pivot ever so eloquently into pontificating why the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City are visiting we're, Milwaukee. We're doing it all. all right, it's range for you right there. It's 1158 on WTMJ. Saving a few bucks at Mitchell International Airport, Business Journal's research finds prices declining in 2023 and continuing this year. One-way fares drop almost 12% in Milwaukee and 5% nationwide, despite higher demand. The Target store that opened at Bayshore in 2021 listed for sale at a price of $14.4 million, but the property listing won't affect operations. Target has 11 years remaining on the lease. Aurora St. Luke's Medical Center embarks on remodeling its emergency department. The $4.2 million project gets underway this spring and includes private triage rooms and dedicated behavioral health rooms. I'm Rich Kirchin with MilwaukeeBusinessJournal.com on News Radio WTMJ. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios in downtown Milwaukee, it's Wisconsin's Midday News, making stories come to life. Now, here are your hosts, Greg Matzik and Jessica Ty. I didn't know there was such thing as an albino ferret. You really had one? Yes. It, uh, honestly, it was a little scary looking. I mean, it's albino, so it was white, white hair and red eyes. Did you buy it or was it given to you? No, it wasn't mine per se. It was one of those things where, I, if I remember correctly, I mean, this is decades ago, my stepdad and me and the stepbrothers, we, we went to a pet store and I think the boys were just like, Dad, can we get this? 
And he said, yes, my mother was definitely not there. <laughs> now I'm going to have to go home and give her a call and be like, remember that story? I'm pretty sure we just came home with an albino ferret and it smelled. I mean, it was like it was just not a good situation. We had some hamsters at some point, too. And then there was a situation there. So we actually had to give the ferret away. So there was some other boy in Brookfield who got our, our ferret. Sparky was his name. Well, I support non-mommy approved activities. I, I do a bunch <laughs> of those excursions with my daughters. They are typically a lot of fun and typically. What I was the to, last one? The, what was the, the last one? Um, I, it was, well, it, it can be as it, anything from, you know, eating on the couch, which we don't typically do. Oh, okay. Just don't spill. Non-mommy approved activity. The last one was parasailing when we were in Florida. Oh, I signed this oh, up and I, I signed this up and then I told Emily that my seven and nine year old were going to go with me. She said 800 feet in the air behind a boat. I was like, yeah, they seem into it. Um, she wasn't thrilled about that, but we got her a margarita and everything sort of calmed down. Okay, they loved it. What yes. an experience. Yes. I like that dad approved um, activity. They, they can be fun, non-mommy approved activities. Handful of stories here we're following. It's now at now noon. Now at noon on Wisconsin's Midday News. So the Supreme Court is hearing oral arguments today on the rule banning bump stocks. So bump stocks allow shooters to fire off multiple rounds from semi-automatic weapons with a single pull of a trigger. And I remember back in 2017, there was a mass shooting in Las Vegas. A bump stock was used. The ATF issued a rule to ban the devices by classifying them as machine guns. Well, now the Supreme Court is deciding whether the agency has the power to do that without any congressional action. So this has been in the news for several years, but it goes back to that shooting in 2017 in Las Vegas. Right, but Supreme Court hearing oral arguments starting today. Another big one at noon. If you drive a Toyota Tacoma pickup or a Jeep Cherokee, Take note, 381,000 Toyota Tacoma pickup trucks have been recalled because bolts in the axles can get loose and then fall off. Anytime I hear about bolts now, I think about the plane yeah. and, and the window. But no, we're talking about Toyota Tacoma pickup trucks right now. The model years impacted are 22 and 23. Also, on the heels of that, Chrysler is recalling more than 330,000 Jeep Grand Cherokees because of a steering wheel issue that may cause drivers to lose control of their vehicles. Sounds terrible. That recall is for the 2021, 20, 2021, 22, and 23 Jeep Grand Cherokee L, and then the 2022, 23 Jeep Grand Cherokee models. So bottom line, if you're listening right now, you're driving, you're like, wait, which models, what years? Just remember, if you drive a Toyota Tacoma pickup or a Jeep Cherokee, go home, Google it, and, and you'll you'll find out whether yours is involved in yeah, the Yeah, Toyota said they were going to send out letters in April. We'll tell you about it in February. We'll, we'll get you ahead of the curve here. Hey, if you're looking to visit Disney in 2025, you might want to consider going in 2024. Yeah, not a surprise here, but prices are up about 10 bucks across the board, given the, what theme park you like to go to. So Disney uses variable pricing, kind of like Wendy's. Yeah, we were just talking about that <laughs> Wendy's story do. we told about yesterday all over the place now. So if you want to visit the Animal Kingdom on a Saturday in April, that ticket's going to cost you 169 bucks in 2025. A ticket to the same park on a steamy weekday in August will run you about 119 But again, up about $10 across the board here. It is so expensive to go to Disney these days with your family, and that's typically, I mean, not all. I, I know actually some adults who, who love Disney and go on their own and, and make it a trip with friends, but I mean, for... I would say the majority of people, right? You're going with family. Sure. You're taking the kids. It gets expensive. If that just gets you in the turnstile, and then you've got to get lunch for the kids, you've got to get a refreshment at some point, especially if you're going on a steamy weekday in August, it is not cheap. Consider taking a loan. 
to go to Disney. It's oh, expensive. And, and, and I know Debbie Lazaga is she loves Disney. They frequent there and loves it. And people who love it absolutely love it. And the price is no barrier. It's no big deal. I asked Mickey if he can lend a dollar, I yeah, guess. <laughs> there you go. Absolutely. And we're going to keep on the car theme coming up. The auto show is going on, but the conditions are becoming more favorable for car vehicle buyers. We'll get into that coming up after this. It's 1214. So lower auto prices are finally giving Americans a break after years of inflationary increases, right? Think about the pandemic. You couldn't find chips for vehicles. That was a problem. Inventory got all sapped up. The, the price of vehicles shot through the roof. Oh, and it was insane. Now we're kind of out of that, which is a good thing, and prices are coming down, which is good for you. Yeah, the nice thing is, oh, which is, are you well, saying for us, for, you uh, in general, yeah. right? <laughs> We'll get to that in a moment. But, yeah, there are more cars on dealer lots, so that's good news. And because there are more cars on dealer lots, prices are down. We are behind the price slowdown, vastly expanded number of vehicles on the lots after those years of shortages. With more autos available, the pressures that had sent prices surging have eased a little bit here. Inventory still well below, though, levels before the pandemic. So just keep that in mind. Yes, there are more cars out there, but it's it's not like it was before the pandemic. So analysts and dealers say the rising availability suggests that 2024 will be the most affordable year of the past five in which to buy a new car or truck. So yes, pandemic is part of that, a good part of that. It, it, things are just coming more into focus here with regard to bargaining position. So it, it's supply and demand, right? I mean, there's more vehicles on the lot. More options. If there's fewer people on the lot looking for those vehicles, your bargaining position increases. Well, I think what a great story right now for the auto show, which is in town, the, the Milwaukee Auto Show. Sure. I mean, this is a perfect time, especially a lot of times, you know, people are starting to think, oh, the car's getting older. Maybe I should do it this year. Maybe I shouldn't. But when you hear this, when you know that prices are lower, that gets more people out there. In fact, I, I'm thinking about it. I was just telling Greg during the commercial break um, we have two cars in the family. My car, we call the airport car. It's one that we were going to get rid of a while back. And my husband was like, you know what? I really want to keep this. He does a lot of the maintenance on it. He likes to do that stuff. So he keeps it up really well. Um, and it's one of those cars you can just not worry about it getting dinged, right? So we still have it. And I was just putting the numbers together. I've had that car for 16 years. <laughs> I know I knew it was more than 10 because I, I think that's pretty impressive. I remember my first car I kept for 10 years. I remember going to the lot, and it's actually my, one of my neighbors who was selling the car. And I was thinking so much about the next car. And he said, Jessica, don't worry about it. You can always get that other car I was looking at it later. He's like, there's no way you're going to have your next car for 10 years. Oh, I showed him. <laughs> As I'm breaking out the calculator. But you seemed astonished at that. You looked at me and started laughing, and you said, I think my car is from 2007. And he said, I think you can get collector plates soon. <laughs> You're not far oh off of that. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that, that, that's crazy. Well, but you probably don't do a lot of driving. You live downtown i'm sure you do a lot of walking and you're driving around downtown is maybe to the store and back and just not a ton of driving living downtown is that accurate yeah i would say that's accurate we, we do go out to the burbs um quite a bit because our families are out that way in the western burbs and um like to go out to the eastern burbs too uh but yes we do do a lot of walking we even take the hop you know if we're going to bucks games or you know we might uber take somebody else's car for going to the rep something sure. like that but you were checking out interest rates for cars as well. Yeah, so this is something you have to keep in mind. So the average price paid for a new vehicle in the U.S. fell about a percent and a half in January from a year ago. But it's still 
over $47,000, the average price of a new vehicle, which is insane to me. The average price of a used vehicle last month, about 27200 That's down about 3%. And yes, dealerships put a little bit more, a little more boost and juice into that used car price boost and juice. than the new car price. So if you're assessing just the cost on the lot for what it looks like to own that vehicle, unless you pay cash, you also have to factor in the interest rates, right? So when we talk about interest rates holding steady or shrinking, I think our mind always goes to mortgage. What happens? Should I refinance? Right? It's not going to that high-interest savings account that you might have with sure. your credit union or bank. And you're probably not thinking about vehicle loans. No, I always think when you think refinance, you think about refinancing your home. Yes, and, and I, I believe you can refinance a vehicle loan. I've never done it myself. So we, we have one car payment in our family right now. My car is paid off. I think I bought it in 2018. It's a 2017 we're at 110,000 miles. Maybe in the next year or two, I'll be looking for something. My wife's car, we chose not to pay cash for. We have a 2.6% interest rate on it, right? Like, why would I throw nice. a red cent right. at more than just the payment of that per month? And right now, a 60-month, which is a very common term for an auto loan. Payments are high right now. But at 7% interest, right? Yeah. A 48-month might yeah. be 6.5% interest. And those are very common terms for those who take out a car loan. So... You have to keep that in mind, too. Vehicle costs might be down, but your interest rates might get you kind of back to where you were in the pandemic levels where interest rates were 2%, 3%. All this talk just makes me think about it. At some point, I will have to get a new car, and oh, I just I don't love that experience. <laughs> yeah. It's just, you know, the kind of haggling, and I just I kind of want to go in and just figure it out, and just this is the price. This is the price. That's it. And they do actually, they do have some dealerships that are like that. No doubt. And this is my, my plug for Holiday Automotive. They have their simplified buying approach, right? Take sort of the hassle and hang a lot of it all. Oh, there you go. I do I, love them I, with I good reason. They found a car for me in Pennsylvania and brought it here. They do at home service. All right, I'm done. <laughs> but they are great people. No doubt about that. 1222 on WTMJ. Let's talk some cookies next. Yeah, we'll keep it light. Yeah, people making a good point here on the on the talk and text line, Jessica. So if you're in the market for a new car, so the the dealers or the the manufacturers is a more accurate way to put it, will still offer sometimes that that one point nine percent for sixty months. So it, it kind of incentivizes you to get into a new car, especially when interest rates are where they are today with used vehicles. So something to keep in mind if you are looking to trade in that 2007 of yours yeah i love some of these comments we're getting one my newest my newest in caps vehicle is a 2006 toyota with 230,000 miles so the mileage there beats my car but my car is older than that another one we have a 2001 pathfinder still runs yeah lots, lots of good stuff so thanks for chiming in we appreciate it mileage used to be a thing on vehicles i feel like when my dad was car shopping when i was a kid he'd see something with a hundred thousand miles and say bah, it's gonna fall apart I feel like you can get more mileage out of vehicles today than ever before. If you maintain them, for sure. I think so. So thank you, Nicholas, if you're listening <laughs> to my husband for maintaining. Yeah, that is not my strength. My old uh, car. I have to drive it someplace, typically. I can do the basics. <laughs> That's about it. 1227 yeah, okay. on WTMJ. Hey, a lot of interesting things going on at Brady Street. In Iconic Street in Milwaukee, it's not the safest street. I'm not talking about crime. I'm talking about vehicle traffic versus pedestrians. There are some rumblings that it might become more of a foot street only in the future. We've got an update on that coming up. The news is next. 
So in April of 2023, an 11-story, 130-room hotel planned for the corner of East Brady Street and North Farwell Avenue received unanimous backing by the Milwaukee Common Council. The redevelopment and reconfiguration of an iconic street in Milwaukee. It's also kind of tricky if you're a pedestrian walking through that area. It's a very busy, narrow-streeted area with a lot of streetcars parked on the side of the streets. Well, the hotel is one of the first steps in the redevelopment of Brady Street. The new executive director of the Brady Street Business Development District is joining us in studio, Michael Sander. Michael, thank you for joining us. Congratulations on the new gig as well. You've been in place for uh, almost two months now. Almost two months. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm really excited with this opportunity, and, you know, it's fun to highlight Brady Street. Well, talk to us first about the 11-story hotel being planned for the east corner of Brady Street and North Farwell. Where do things stand after this was all approved last April? So what's cool is I have the opportunity to actually sit down with the people who are involved and the investors. We just had a meeting the other day. It really, really excited me. This hotel is going to highlight our street. It's going to be a boutique hotel that literally is going to be based on the history of Brady Street. Um, so yeah, we're just excited to have that there. There's nothing, um, they've been trying to get a hotel down there forever. Everyone said it would never happen, but to get that approval and they're going forward, you know, the next is funding, obviously, but there's an opportunity for us to build a parking structure too. So we can add additional parking in the, in the neighborhood, which I think is going to be beneficial. That would be so nice because we were just at the empanadas place. Oh, maybe a month ago or so. And, and you do, you go around, try to find that parking spot. A lot of times I find the residential streets are the best over there to find a parking spot. So yes, Great news for there. That that hotel, you had critics with that because there were a lot of people who felt like a hotel isn't going to fit in with Brady. Why do you think it does and that it is indeed the right move? I think Brady Street's so iconic and it's historic and I think it's eclectic and I think it was a great destination for people who come see the city. You know, when you come to Milwaukee, Brady Street is on the list to go check out. It's one of the oldest neighborhoods. Um, it has a lot of history. I think it's going to assist with the businesses it's going to help the residents because we're going to be able to get a parking structure. You know, that's more monthly parking possibly for a resident also to utilize. It's going to take some of this, the traffic off the streets too, um, parking into residential areas because we're going to have the opportunity again for that parking structure. I think that's the main thing for me is that parking structure that comes along with it is amazing. But, yeah, I think highlighting Brady Street in a hotel is, is a unique opportunity, and I think it's going to change the trajectory of the entire neighborhood. Is Brady Street safe? I'm not talking about crime in any way. I'm talking about vehicles versus pedestrians, because it is sort of a weird Chicago-like intersection, right? If you're familiar with the streets of Chicago, narrow streets, lots of cars parked on the street, a lot of bars and restaurants, so people are out and about. Is it safe, in your opinion? See, my opinion, I do think it's safe. I think it's very walkable. If you go in many other neighborhoods, um, I think that there are um, different... Um, issues that they're dealing with. You know, I, 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 safety is number one. I don't want to downplay anything that's ever happened on that street. You know, that's a priority. We need more lighting, potentially more stop signs. Um, you know, we hire our own security also. But you have to realize there are many streets in the city that are even like rated at a higher um, level of, you know, accidents or prone to crime. I think our city just has an issue right now. And I think it's, um, it's a police um, presence that is lacking because we have a shortage of police. So I, I really feel like Brady Street gets a bad rap, um, but because I feel it's really, really safe. The sidewalks are so wide, um, and again, it's a very narrow street. And but it's cool. It comes. It goes from the river to the lake. Um, shutting that down would just be, you know, something that we can look at, and the pictures look great. But what's the economic impact of shutting down a street? You know, no one's done that study yet. 
You can't just come in and say, look at this, it's beautiful, it's going to look great. Yeah, it sounds great. So you're talking about making it walking only, no no vehicle traffic. Well, they've done a pedestrian study, and that study literally just gave us four images of what Brady Street could look like. Let's dig deeper into that. You know, again, what's the economic impact of anything that we change there? Um, I think we could get more stop signs. You know, I'm hopefully going to work with the alderman and the mayor and try to get more stop signs. Let's slow that traffic down. Let's have raised um, crosswalks where pedestrians are standing and you can actually see because, again, it's so narrow. Those cars are right there. You can't really see into the street. Um, I think there's just a lot of opportunity to look at besides, you know, any of these studies that um, have come out. So I'm looking forward to just trying as many things as possible um, and getting ahead of the curve before um, it becomes even a bigger issue. Well, it's interesting that you say that that you believe it's safe, because I was going to say, well, you believe it's safe. Do you believe there should be changes? And, and you talked about a couple that you think. Obviously, you don't think uh, shutting it down for only walkers is the right way to go. You mentioned the sidewalks. You're right. They, they are wide. There, there's plenty of room. But I think it does come down to two reckless drivers. I mean, obviously, it's an issue in our city. We know it is. And... I think that's I'm more worried when I'm walking down Brady Street and I, I don't walk down Brady Street worried. Don't get me wrong. I certainly don't do that. I go there. Just mentioned the empanadas place and, and loved Balzac that, uh, you know, unfortunately just uh. closed. But um, so I, I don't worry. But I, I do as a smart person would when you're making sure that a car is not going to hit you. I mean, a lot of times it's just the drivers who are a little wacky out there. So to your point, you know, maybe more enforcement is key. But what is the consensus as far it sounds like you don't want it shut down for only pedestrians, but there are a lot of businesses. Is there a consensus or are there people who say, eh, maybe we should try this? I don't want to speak for every business. I just know that this has been a conversation forever. A big thing, too, is talking to the residents. I go to their association meeting. Yeah. The residents don't want this either. Think about where you're going to put those cars. You're going to move those into a residential area that is already overpopulated. Somebody's There's... driveway is going to be blocked. And then you're going to bring people who are potentially you know, coming out of a bar a little louder. You're bringing that into the neighborhood. You know, we got to think of that impact. I mean, again, I don't believe the neighborhood wants that. I'm sure there are certain people who think it looks great on paper. But I know speaking with the um, residential association, they're all on board, too, to, like, let's figure this out and make this safer. Again, lighting priority for me, you know, maybe more stop signs, lifting up the pedestrian area before you cross so you can be seen. I think there's a lot of things that we can do to get ahead of this. Michael Sander is the executive director of the Brady Street Business Improvement District. So Brady Street Futon, kind of a iconic local business. Balzac, as Jessica mentioned, great little wine bar, good food. We don't see a ton of turnover on Brady Street, but those businesses have shut their doors or will be shutting their doors. Any thoughts for what could go in place? Well, Balzac was a surprise. I always thought they were very, very busy. But again, that's probably a business decision for them. I'm seeking out daytime businesses. You know, we think Brady Street right now is a nightlife. Um, It's populated with nightlife. Um, in the past, if you look at the history of Brady Street, I mean, it was a local area where everybody went, whether it's for coffee, for shopping, for farmer's markets. I want to bring that back. So anything daytime business, anyone that's showing any of their businesses, I ask that I can come and talk about the bid because the bid is a very important thing, especially when you're in that neighborhood. It's a benefit to you. So I want them to know you have support also in this. So, yeah, I, again, I would love to see more daytime business. We just got a new gift shop down there probably like four months ago. That's changed, showing that retail is alive and well. You know, we have an awesome vintage clothing store there, a shoe store. So there are daytime businesses. Gloriosos, yes. my favorite oh, place yum. in the, the city. Torch. Everything. I can take a hot torch right now. I must eat lunch there like four sandwiches. times a day. <laughs>
Oh, it's so good. I'll be honest. I, when I walked by the futon store the other day, just because I think, oh, gosh, futons. I know they had more, but I was really surprised that the futon store stayed as long as it did. But they were there, and it was still right now, but 31 years in business. That's a pivotal corner. In fact, it's the oldest commercial building on the street, so that's got to be a spot that somebody's going to really want to pick up. It's prime real estate. You know, I met with him the other day. He is just one of the coolest guys. You know, he's going to go into upholstery a little bit. But, yeah, he just decided, you know, this was the time for him to retire and, um, you know, change the course of his life. And it, it's sad to see that um, go away. But I think it gives us an opportunity to bring in, again, some daytime business. I'd love to see a collective there. I would love to see an opportunity for local artists to, you know, have a little showcase and a little shop tried out. Like, just like here at the, um, where we're at, the third, um, Street Street Market Market Hall. Hall. Similar, but maybe with retail, where you're allowed to come in and, you know, there's the Bronzeville Collective right now that's really taken off and doing well. You know, again, I'm, we're open to anything, but again, daytime business is priority. Festivals coming up as well. Yeah. I always associate Brady Street with festivals. Yeah, well, you know what? We're going crazy. We're adding so much this summer. We start off on June 15th with um, the Art Walk, which is going to be a really cool event. Um, but we're going to bring buskers in. So every Saturday, we're going to have buskers on the street. So people can come down Brady Street, check out all the shops, listen to some music. We'll have seven or eight buskers every Saturday. We're going to be looking for those. I want to bring a farmer's market every Sunday. Oh, yes. I just please. did a call out for that yesterday. I'm so excited about that. I want that on the sidewalks. I want, again, it's all about making Brady Street accessible and showing off these businesses. And if I have the farmer's market go up and down the street in front of businesses, I think it's a win win. Um, so that's, that's coming up. Then we got our, obviously our Brady Street Fest. We moved our date to July 20th. Excited about that. You know, we're going to welcome Harley again, shut our streets down, hopefully. That is quite the sight. I mean, you see for that festival, you see so many unique Harleys. I mean, the colors and just, and, and people are out there. They're, they're doing the, what do you call them? The spins, the circles out there. The spin outs. They, yeah. Yeah. The spin outs. <laughs> I mean, they've got their, their music bumping. It is, even if you're not into the whole motorcycle scene, it is, it is something to see. It is, especially when you look down that street when it's closed and all you see are just yes. bikes. Even if you don't like bikes, it's a cool, it's a cool thing. And again, it's, it's highlighting our street. So it's a win win for everybody. Why do you love Brady Street so much? Because you're ultimately, from the start, a New York guy. So coming to Milwaukee, right before I came to Milwaukee, yeah, New York, um, Brady Street reminds me of New York. It's eclectic. It is, um, it's got so much history. You know, you have family businesses that have been there for 80 years. When I wake up every morning and I go to work, it's, it's just a great feeling. You see the same person going to get their coffee at 8. Everybody knows each other. We're all there working together. I've never been in a business district where it is family, and everybody really is there to work together, welcoming to everybody, taking care of everybody. You know, I know there was an issue um, but, um, with a homeless person in one of the stores, and the bar across the street saw that and ran over there with their security. Everyone's looking out for each other. So I, I really love that. And I, again, the history of it is cool. Well, Michael, we'll stay in touch for sure as uh, things develop here on Brady Street, an iconic street here in the city of Milwaukee. Michael Sander, the executive director of the Brady Street Business Improvement District. Appreciate you, man. Thank you very much. Hey, thanks for having me. It's 1247 on WTMJ. Greg Nance, Jessica Ty with you until 1 o'clock here tomorrow. Very excited about this. Charlie Barron's is going to join us, one of Wisconsin's favorite comedians. 
He's a hoot. I mean, he's, he's so popular right now, too. He puts a, there's an announcement for a show, and then it's like, oh, next day, more shows, and the next day, more shows. Yeah. So many people want to go. So he has his own brandy. Oh, the Charlie Barron's brandy. It's got its own name. Seems We're going to talk to him about him. that. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, excited to talk to Bucks guard Pat Connaughton on Friday's program. He has so much going on right now. Oh, my gosh. Uh, by the way, an NBA season. Yes, that um, too. But just today, as a matter of fact, uh, he was... Signing off on another Pat Connaughton court. There was another grand unveiling in Milwaukee. He's done this a uh, number of times, and he is definitely connected to the city. He's receiving the Lombardi Award of Excellence uh, this weekend, which I think is great. Fantastic. And uh, we're going to talk to Pat on Friday's program. He also has a lot going on family-wise, so you can stay tuned yes, for that. Yes, no doubt about that. So if you want to check our program out on demand, you can do it. Just subscribe to the Wisconsin's Midday News podcast. I have subscribed and I get the headlines, right? All sent to us. Listen at your leisure. Segments, full shows, whatever you'd like. Also, check out our program via YouTube. That's right. We do broadcast our program in more ways than just the radio. So if you want to see what we're doing in the studio, you can always do that via our YouTube channel or the Watch Live tab at WTMJ.com. That reminds me. Somebody must have been watching, right? Because they were asking about my lipstick somewhere, you said? i I, I got I got to find that text. I, I assume so they, they were asking about yours, not mine. <laughs> Uh, that was my assumption. I, I got to find that one. And if it's you, if you're still listening, I'll get back to you on that one. Yes. I love I love that you can just be at home, too, and say, hey, Siri, play 620 WTMJ. I love that. And you just hear it throughout your house or wherever you are, getting ready in, in the morning in the bathroom. or It's fantastic. Wherever you get your podcast, through your mobile device, through the WTMJ mobile app, check us out here as uh, we continue to move this new program forward. It's Wisconsin's Midday News giving the way to Spanning the States, which is coming up next.